Well, here we go again, folks. Gathering once more, I am with you to share some valuable insights on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, so called by our illustrious founding fathers, whose wisdom far exceeded the wisdom of our day, whose passion and love of country, incidentally, brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in these very ideals we once held in high esteem. It's a grand old republic I preach, and so appropriately I say, welcome again to my Christian Patriot Hour podcast. And I'm not only blessed to be your host and friend, I'm also honored to share with you some very important beliefs I hold dear in my heart. And perhaps you won't mind, I hope, if we discuss some very controversial topics concerning our world today and life as we know it in this wonderful land of ours in these United States of America, for which is the last bastion of true hope in a secular world, now determining to be lost in the confusion and ideological pandemonium of our times. I still have hope in America's future, though, and having a great desire for our ultimate welfare. But being the realist I am, as well you may know, I have grave concerns over the continuance of our nation, too such as once having existed in those profound ideals and virtues we once held so dear, which are now diminishing rapidly in their haste to find something better. Now we stand at the threshold of destiny, and what will be our end? Do you wonder as I, do you fear as I, for the preservation of our liberty and the mutual discourse of our freedom? What is the truest definition of liberty, by the way? Do you know the answer? Does anyone? Now then, here we are in the opening moments of the month of February. A cold month traditionally in Northeast Ohio it is, and in many places elsewhere. Reflecting a cold coldness sweeping our nation, I see it as a foreboding parallel somehow. It is the dread of winter and the precursor of death, the season of darkness and gloom. Our nation sleeps in complacency and ill-begotten desire, and the American people wallow in their search for true meaning, purpose, and happiness. February, though, is a time when people begin to look for the springtime of the year and the glorious hope of new beginnings. We desire to cast off the dread resolve of our pessimisms. So then, on a lighter note, February is a time when the groundhog, that old pro prognosticator makes his predictions, looking either for an early spring or six more weeks of cold and dreariness to continue. And February is the month when people begin uh, becoming romantically inclined to. St. Valentine's Day I'm referring to. Which legend has it takes its roots all the way back to nigh unto the third century, a time when lovers exchange gifts and affectionate intentions of their heart. Anyway, you'd better go out and buy your wife some roses and stop off at the local candy shop for some chocolate-covered cherries on that day. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes. On a more serious note, February is a time to remember two of America's greatest presidents and the celebration of their birthdays, namely George Washington on February 22nd, the first American president under the newly formed Constitution, and of course, Abraham Lincoln on February the 12th, our 16th president and perhaps our most beloved president of all time. I asked you a few moments ago, 
what is your definition of liberty? I derive my convictions from the Bible. And of course, the Word of God speaks much regarding those precious ideals of life and liberty in the truest essence of their meaning. And so thus, our founding fathers became convicted in their spirit as well, believing whereas the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses regarding those civil, moral, and ceremonial instructions for right living do indeed form the basis of the rule of law, which much, which much the free world has subscribed to for centuries. And you may think what you like, the choice is yours to make. But these laws of God also become for us the very foundation and guiding light for all human liberty itself, those perfect ideals which rightly illuminate the pathways of justice, peace, and yes, even our individual happiness. Abraham Lincoln once said, The world has never had a good definition of the word liberty, and the American people just now are much in want of one. We all declare for liberty, but in using the same word, we do not mean all the same thing. This was in a speech he delivered uh, in an address to Congress on April the 18th, 1864. So there you have it, folks. There was a bit of wisdom from a real wise man, whereas Abraham Lincoln fully understood that God and liberty go hand in hand. Let's talk about this and much more of what's going on in our nation today, and our world for that matter to understand why our definition of liberty in America is now becoming so skewed. Let's pick up on an important point here regarding that very thought, reinforcing it with a good old-fashioned Bible verse that is quite fitting here. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I'm referring to James, the first chapter, the 25th verse. James, you might know, is believed to be the half-brother of Christ, and briefly noted he became utterly committed in following the Lord unto his martyrdom, and wrote this fine letter for our instruction. Challenging professing Christians throughout the ages to live their life in the fullness of the very image of Christ himself. Not like today, I'm afraid, where many professing Christians are neither committed in their sacrifice to live fully for Christ, nor do they walk circumspectly in the law of God within their heart. I'm not suggesting that either our love for Christ or our obedience to him are governed by good works. Works really have nothing to do with salvation. The Bible says we live and move and have our being through Christ and that wonderful grace of God alone, for which by the mercies of God have procured for us through the cross of Jesus Christ the right for us to be called children of the Most High and living God. James is merely reiterating the fact that if the Spirit of God truly dwells in our hearts, then we will follow the natural course of his leading in our lives doing those good works from the law of God written upon our hearts. So then, let's move on in this thought. As we look far and wide across the horizon of the American landscape today, we find a nation adrift in a sea of conflicting ideas. And I do mean ideas and not necessarily ideals at all, 
for there is a vast difference between the two. What our Founding Fathers procured for us in the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution were the very ideals, forming a more perfect government they aspired to, aligning themselves with a standard much higher than any human understanding could declare. Ideas may have provided the impetus through reasoning often, ideals rather derived their merit from that much higher standard which I believe, and our Founding Fathers believed, and many people have believed over the years, a righteous standard of living which emanates only from God. Thus the American experiment, as it is so called, was never really an experiment at all, in my opinion. Rather, it was an exemplary and profound principle of righteousness which had been laid down from the beginning of time by the Almighty Creator of every good work. The test would be this, could Americans be found faithful to walk in those laws or not from one generation to the next? For if we say we love liberty, then we ought to obey the law of the land. If we say we love God, then we must follow and ought to obey the Lord and his law, lest we are lost in the error of all our ways and found to be a liar. It simply becomes a matter of belief, testing of whether the heart will follow in the discipline of law in order to do that which is right by that holy standard which God declares is right to do. By whose standard do we declare today a thing to be right or wrong, though? Many Americans now believe the privilege of abortion is perfectly a woman's right to choose for her own body. Yet I ask, what standard has brought us to such irrational reasoning that the body that is living within her, her has no worth? For if a human life is not a human life in the womb, then it is not a human life at birth either, and human life itself is greatly diminished in every respect, to not only the detriment of the child and the mother, but to the whole nation who bears the responsibility and the weight and burden in this violation of the law of God. Even as I believe, as God would have me say, otherwise my integrity becomes obscured and lost in a sea of complacency and regret along with the masses who take no responsibility for what they wrongly do in our day. If we Americans could catch the vision of our founding fathers they once envisioned, <clears throat> we would not be carried away so easily upon the lofty winds of self-servitude and indulgence. Rather, we would be humbled to our knees in submission to the presence of a holy God for whom we all must have to do, or one day be judged the same by him for the grave error of our ways. I stand upon the word of God as the final authority in a political world gone awry. And Mr. Lincoln, permit me to say without reservation or apology, that his belief reflected heavily upon the great book, the word of God. And by his own words we hear him say, In regard to this great book, I have but to say, It is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book but for it we could not know right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found portrayed in it, a speech delivered September 1864. Of course, there are many in our day who are quick to claim their right as Americans, some never knowing the difference really between right and wrong themselves. So often that is the case. Oh, their words carry weight all right but they really have no merit. Their voices rise up in angry, rebellious demand. They preach tolerance, but practice intolerance. 
But lo, their times, as for all of us, pass away in the wind. And then there is God to consider. And who shall answer him rightly? Can anyone say? Let's move on to the finale then here in this last point, shall we? I wish to talk about this election year of 2024 and try if I can to make sense of a political year that will be like no other in history, I believe. It will be volatile, unprecedented, and will determine the course of American political determinations now and throughout the course of our history. First, let me say the Republican Party, in my opinion, is becoming a huge disappointment with the majority of Republicans in this country having lost their way and having sold out not for the will of the people, but for the will of the party and themselves. And the Democratic Party, well, I'm sorry, too. You probably know my feelings already about them, but I really have nothing good to say, for I see them as Democratic in nothing. It is certainly not the party of the working man I remember as a child. And whenever I look back on that very special day in January of 1961 and I watch John F. Kennedy take the oath of office in America, then that is the perspective I'm sharing with you. That was a vastly different America then. You bet it was. A perfect America? No, of course not. But like the Apostle James, Americans once strove for that higher mark of integrity and honor in office, and the American people united behind whomever led this nation, and there was decency in our nation too, and the majority of our people respecting one another for their beliefs. Both parties on that day incidentally rallied around our new president, and Congress carried on doing the business of government as Congress ought. There was no political theater, there was no nonsensical behavior when JFK took the podium to deliver a speech which united all Americans around our flag. Those days are gone and gone for good, I'm afraid. I'm not going to get into the politics of discussing the presidential candidates as they are presently. Neither the incumbent nor the opponent-to-be. You know who they are. You've made your choice. Whatever. I've said it before and I'll say it once more. Whoever becomes the next president of the United States, however the votes are cast in the upcoming November election, it is not going to be enough to save America from her trouble and woes. There is not one who can do anything in office today who can turn the tide for American honor and decency again. We must realize we stand at the threshold of eternity now. Destiny is forthcoming, quickly. The hand of almighty providence is moving, if you will, and will be determining for us in this and much more that far beyond our control. I say it candidly and most assuredly. The glory of America is past indeed. I do not see the glorious days of yesteryear returning. I see America diminishing in every way with every passing day. The American people need to be reproached for their sin. They need to be remembered there is a God in heaven with whom we must all deal with. The author of Hebrew puts it this way, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, 
but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of with him whom we have to do. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the 13th verse. Look about you. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't think so, for I base my beliefs and my opinions upon the word of God, and the word of God is telling me the day grows short. The time of God's grace is passing. The patience of the Lord will be waning very soon. Look across the sea to Israel. I told you in the last podcast there is a great war coming in the Middle East, and America is already getting involved with Iran. God is bringing an end to this world and its ways. It will be unfolding even as prophecy demands it must, and very soon I believe this world will enter into that time of great tribulation. Right now, even Christians in America are beginning to support a two-state solution for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. This is prophetic, my dear friends. It may come to pass, it may not, depending on what God wills should be. I shouldn't expect a two-state solution to happen, though. I don't think God will allow it, for the land over the Jordan promised to Abraham is the very land in question now. But this I tell you from Scripture. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. The Apostle Paul goes on to tell us that if we are Christians, and I paraphrase in it, that we have nothing to worry about really. For we walk in the light of Christ, and that dark day of of desperation cannot overtake the light. Watch and pray, Paul said. Watch and pray. There is one hope for our deliverance from that awful day of trouble which truly is coming very soon. His name is Jesus Christ, his love for you beyond compare, his charity and mercy endure forever for those who call upon his name and are saved in the healing waters of his goodness. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. Now then, We're into this podcast roughly eight months, and I'm watching more and more people come to listen in. Let's not make this a one-sided podcast, though. Do let your voice be heard, and let me know if what I'm saying is having an impact on you. You can leave comments on Amazon's website, as well as the multiple platforms that house this podcast. Please visit our Facebook page. Americans We Were, where you will also find links to the podcast and the ability to review the episodes. And please do share this cast with your friends and loved ones. I'd like to get to know them too. That winds it up for me now. Remember, my book is Americans We Were. You can find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Till we meet again, may God bless you and hold you in the palm of his hand. I am Henry Thomas Weber. Thank you and goodbye.